Hey, Walk Stars. I'm so excited to have my dear friend Jamila Reddy on the show today. She is a dynamic human being, an amazing breathwork coach and transformational coach. She is just wonderful, radically honest in all that she does. And I hope that her words soothe your soul. Enjoy this conversation with me, Libby, and Jamila Reddy. Blind Nil Audio. I'm Alex L. I'm Libby Delena. Welcome to This Morning Walk Podcast. (laughs) Hi, Alex. Hey, Libby. How are you? I'm well. I'm really looking forward to this conversation because I have to say that I actually am holding my walking practice very different after our conversation. It was so beautiful and so transformative. Tell us about your friend. What I love about Jamila is her ability to put feelings into words and words into feelings in a way that feels very grounding and easeful. And listening to her be radically honest about her depression and about her grief and about her shift in walking practice just deeply moved me. And I'm really excited for us to learn more about her in this episode. Yeah, I agree. Enjoy listening to this one, Walk Stars. It was a really beautiful conversation. And may it be a reminder to you that your walking practice can look different in every season that you're in. Well said. Hi, Jamila. Hi. So nice to meet you. We're so glad you're here. So good to meet you too. Thank you so much. So we're just going to dive right in. Who are you and what do you do? I am a writer. I'm a transformational coach. I'm a certified breathwork practitioner. I'm a student of the world. I'm an auntie slash mom tea. Um, and I, for myself and for others, find ways to create the best life I possibly can and to cope with the inevitable difficulties of being alive. <laughs> so that is what I do. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, I was um, just reading some of your beautiful blog posts and getting to know you a little bit more before we hopped on. And I will also say, Mila, that I think one of the things I really take away from your work is really a profound connection to the natural world and your love for the space around you, what you are walking in, what is surrounds you as you walk through the world. And that is something that really, really resonated. Can you share a little bit more about that love that you have? Yes. So one, I'm highly sensitive, neurodivergent. So by design, I'm very sensitive to sensory stimulus. So I'm highly impacted by environments. I always say that like, every object in a room has a voice or is speaking or singing. And so sometimes I'm like, oh, it's not harmonious or it sounds like cross talk, like everyone's speaking at once, you know? So I I have a very um, felt kind of sensory experience of of my environment. Um, And my dad was an artist. My parents are both visual artists. And so 
I grew up, I think, being taught to value beauty um, that, you know, and, and beauty is sort of our like, I think beauty is a really easy entryway to like spirituality, like flowers and like, you know, beautiful landscapes, like temples are beautiful for a reason, cathedrals. So there's something about beauty that I think is an invitation for presence. And so I just love creating like, be- I love beautifying, you know, people are like, what are your hobbies? I'm like, I love if I, you will all, I'm like, I'm going to be tinkering in my house. Like, how can I just, what adjustments can I make to make this a little more beautiful? Um, so I really, I, I'm not only sensitive to space, but I really value beauty. And I think it's also a sort of like an act of dignity, like to be able to create environments that are beautiful. It's like, you know, if, 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 a, if a really important person like Mother Teresa, like a saint, you know, the Buddha were to come into your space, how would you change your space in order to accommodate that person who's so worthy of you know, occupying a beautiful space. And so I like to treat myself and my loved ones with that same kind of reverence. Well, it's so beautiful. Mm. One of the main reasons why I wanted to talk with you, um, well, first of all, we're friends and we have dynamic conversations when we do connect. And I really value your vulnerability and honesty, even within our own personal conversations. And I just think that your voice, be it with your clients or your students or your friends is just so deeply authentic and it inspires me to show up in the world in a more authentic way, specifically around grief and healing, healing with intention, healing with patience. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about what grieving has taught you about your healing and how you're able to hold space through every ebb and flow that may come your way. For those listening who might not know my story, I lost in 2016 and 2017, two of my closest friends back to back. And then in 2018, my sister passed. And then in 2019, my father passed. So I have a very intimate relationship with death and loss and grief. And something that grief has taught me about healing is that because grief is inevitable, healing and joy must also be inevitable, that I, I can't control the losses I experience and the grief that visits. But what I can control is how much peace I cultivate, how much uh, joy and delight I give myself permission to experience. And also, because grief is inevitable, healing can't be just reactive. I'm like, so So there's a part of my practice is kind of preparing myself because I know it's coming. I mean, for every single one of us, past, present, and future, for time eternal, we're all going to experience grief. That's That's just a part of what it means to be human. And so healing can be proactive. There are ways that we can anticipate and prepare ourselves to dance with grief. And we can prepare ourselves to be able to cope with it Um, So it's both a sort of proactive um, healing modality, you know, creating, that's why I practice breath work and meditation um, that, you know, I I try to, healing can also be lessening the likelihood that the wounds are going to last or, 
or sort of um, softening the impact of the injuries we do experience, that that can be something we do in advance and it can be something that we do after the fact too. Wow. Oh, I love that so much. I do too. I, can you say <laughs> more about healing? Uh, 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 healing can be proactive. Can you expand on that yes. a little bit? That's really so beautiful. So right. they, instead of reactive, because that's, I think a lot of us are like, oh, I'm hurting. Let me heal myself now so I can like get right. to the other side. But that's really not that helpful or <laughs> that supportive in like holding the grief and also, you know, as you said, like preparing for what's on the that's other right. side of it. That's right. So I talk a lot about, you know, with my clients and my students about coping strategies. I mean, really what I'm talking about in most of my courses is like, how do we deal? How do we really like keep our heads above water um, when it comes to the difficulties we experience as human beings? And so there's emotions-based coping, which is when we have difficult feelings or uncomfortable feelings that we have to sort of soothe our difficult or uncomfortable emotions. And then there's like situational coping. If you're in a toxic environment and you need to remove yourself, it's, you know, there's no matter of like, um, you know, uh, tending to your emotions that's going to make a violent or abusive or toxic situation better. Sometimes you need to leave or change the situation. So there's, you can change your internal world, then you can change your external world. And then there's maladaptive coping, which we all know is when you, um, it, it helps in the short term, but it's harmful in the long term. And then there's proactive coping, which are the things you do in advance of a difficult experience that will help you be resilient when that experience comes. So for example, if I know I'm going to have to have, you know, a difficult conversation with a loved one or set a boundary, and that's, I know that's going to cause me stress. I know it's going to raise my cortisol levels. It's going to get me a little, put me, might put me in a fight or flight. What I can do is prepare myself for that inevitable stressor. I can have chamomile tea. I can wrap myself in a blanket while I have that call. I can plan for a restorative activity right after. So I'm going to have a difficult conversation at one. I'm going to go to the spa at four so that I can bring myself down. So it's sort of just looking forward, kind of current you thinking about what future you might need in terms of care and comfort. Mm, so this brings me to walking. How are you walking through what you're going through right now? Like when you said, I'm having this hard call at one, I'm going to go to the spot at three. I could have sworn you were going to say, I'm going to go for my walk at, at, at three or four, <laughs> because that's what I do. After a tender call, it's like, I got to get outside. And I know that you've been walking and being with nature and being intentional about how you're moving your body. So let's shift the conversation a little bit to talk about like how you hold your healing and your grief while you're walking through this world? So I, I knew you were going to ask me this question. I was like, of course, we're here on this morning walk. I knew the question about walking was going to come up. And I had this like, you know, this moment of panic because I haven't been walking. I haven't been walking. I, this summer, have experienced one of the most intense depressive episodes that I've ever experienced in my life. And so... 
an earlier conversation with my therapist, I was like, I'm doing everything. We've talked about this, Alex. I'm like, I'm writing, I'm walking, I'm journaling, I'm chanting, I'm praying, I'm eating, I'm sleeping, I'm, you know, processing, like nothing is working, nothing is working. And my therapist was like, maybe, maybe, how about you try to just like let yourself feel your feelings instead of trying to like fix them with your practices? Mm. Hmm. Thank you. I'll see you next week. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, so I, I kind of gave myself, I wrote myself a big permission slip to be a little undisciplined because what I didn't want to do was sort of like surrender to the emotions. I was like, I, if I don't get up in the morning and do my walk and sit at my altar and do my routine, then I'm going to have to feel all of these feelings. And so what I was, I was using my practices actually to try to avoid feeling my feelings. And so the only way out is through. And so I just kind of surrendered to the experience of feeling my feelings and gave myself permission to be at low capacity. I'm a recovering mm. perfectionist. I have a leadership role in my family. I'm very used to being front and center, very used to being on. And it's super uncomfortable for me to not be able to show up in the ways that I want. I want to be the person who's like, look at me, I just finished my walk. Look at me, I meditate every day. Look, you can, you you know, I, I've taken it upon myself to have my mission in life be a possibility model. I want people to look at me and see, oh, this is what's possible. Joy is possible and healing is possible. And so when I'm struggling, I'm like, uh, <laughs> don't, don't look at me, please. <laughs> Um, and so I just had to give myself permission to kind of like be a low capacity potato for a couple of months and, and regain the energy it takes to commit to my practices. So like you're catching me on like day four of a morning routine after like six months of being like, you know what, I'm gonna just wake up and do my best. Okay. I'm gonna wake up and get out of bed. And that's, and so, and maybe I'm, sometimes I'm not, and that, mm -hmm. that's enough. So I just had to sort of like mm -hmm. take a lot of things off my plate, including the pressure to sort of be disciplined with routine. And I'm sort of like, as of literally four days ago, like, oh, I, I feel like I could get back to it. So I'm sort of mm -hmm. re emerging, I'm, I'm re um, introducing myself to my, my practices. Uh, so ask me again, ask me again in a few months. <laughs> okay. I'll ask you again. But also, I just think it's really beautiful that you're honoring exactly where you are and that you've been honoring exactly where you are. I mean, that's a huge part of this morning walk for us. It's not just about the physical act of walking. It's also literally, we were speaking to Rhonda Ross not too long ago, and she was saying like how we're walking through our thoughts and our mind is a practice, mm -hmm. is a practice of, of, of self-discipline and self-honoring, which like when you were talking, it just gave me chills, like honoring exactly where you are we're not, we're not taught to do that. And we need to be taught to do that more. Yeah. I just think it's so beautiful and almost revolutionary for you to acknowledge where you are and that your path right now is in fact, I would say proactive healing, right? Uh, that your, your act of acknowledging that uh, some of these practices 
should feel beautiful and inspiring and uh, energy giving. And at the moment, they do not. So they should not feel like weights or requirements or handcuffs or you know, anything that is restrictive, I, I really honor that. And, you know, to echo what Alex said, which is, you know, this morning walk is beyond the physical and it is, you know, how, how are we walking through the world and with what, and with what intention and with what emotions, what are we walking into 2024 with? And I'll ask you that, what are you walking into 2024 with? And, you know, there, there are many ways to answer that. I am walking into 2024 with honestly a commitment to optimism. Mm. That's something that I, you know, in Buddhism, they talk about your sort of fundamental, you know, everyone has the capacity for good and everyone has the capacity to do harm. And our, our responsibility is to nurture and water the seeds of, um, of goodness within us. And something that I know about myself is that I have a tendency to be just to be like, mm. it's never, mm. never going to change. There's nothing I could do about this. It's always going to be this way. Yeah. Just to sort of um, yeah. to give up, to give up mm. on on believing in transformative potential. And so mm. I am recommitting. I'm walking into 2024 with a commitment to practice optimism as a choice. You know, one of my mentors, Daisaku Ikeda, mm. who just passed, mm. says hope is a decision. It's a decision. It's a it's a choice about how you're going to see the world and how you're going to move through the world. And so I'm walking into mm. next year with the decision to be optimistic about my own life, but also the state of affairs in the world. Like I have to, I have to believe that something different is possible. Otherwise, like this world becomes a place I don't really want to stay in. And it disconnects me from my own will to do something about the things that I want to change. Um, so I'm walking into 2024 with a commitment to optimism with levity, I'm walking in with like just a little, just just loosen up, you know, just loosen up a little. Try to try to keep it, keep it light, you know. So I I can be very serious, and I'm like, you know, I have depth of processing as a highly sensitive person. I'm like, you know, every I'm like everything sometimes feels so deep, and so I'm just like going into the new year with like permission to kind of like laugh at things and. To sort of take things lightly and with just I feel like I'm also walking in with like really strong intimate relationships like I'm at a place where like my friendships my partnership my relationship with the children in my life with my family they feel stronger than they've ever been and so like I feel like I'm walking in with like the is fortitude the word mm -hmm. it's like with the strength mm -hmm. of the connections, like the strength of my net, like the web of people who like hold me up. I feel like I'm like coming in with like a team, you know, a team of mm. like people behind me and lifting me up. That's so beautiful. Thank you. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. I, I would say it makes me think of this. Uh, you mentioned Buddhism, perhaps, you know, this quote by Thich Nhat Hanh, which is, I know you are there and I am very happy. And to me, that sort of encompasses much of what you 
much of what you just said. There's an optimism in that. There's a reflection of intimacy. And it's so, in a way, it's so playful. So in a way, that that came to mind as you mentioned those three things, optimism, levity, and the the fortitude of your intimate relationship. So I know you are there and I am very happy. <laughs> sort of. In fact, I texted it to Alex the other day. <laughs> like I just knowing you're there. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Hey Walk Stars, we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hey Walk Stars. I want to turn you on to one of my favorite podcasts in the entire world. It's the 10% Happier Podcast, and it has one guiding philosophy. Happiness is a skill you can learn, and I truly believe this. So why not master it? Hosted by Dan Harris, a journalist who had a panic attack on national television and then set out on a journey of transformation. He's now on a quest to help others achieve peace and happiness. Every week, Dan talks to top scientists, meditation teachers, and even the odd celebrity in wide-ranging conversations that explore topics like productivity, anxiety, enlightenment, psychedelics, and relationships. The interviews cover everyone from Brene Brown to Alexander Draymond to Sam Harris. So, Walkstars, as you know, this podcast is much more than just about walking. It's the same for 10% Happier. Think of listening to 10% Happier as a workout for your mind. Find 10% Happier wherever you listen to podcasts. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to this Morning Walk podcast. So you're kind of walking through a new-ish season, new-ish season in your life with being a mom tea, which I love that you call your niece. <laughs> I love that you use that term as you're referring to helping to parent your niece. Can you talk to us a little bit about what being a mom tea, what being a parent to your niece is teaching you about care, not only for her and her siblings, mm -hmm. but yourself. Yes. Wow. What a teacher. <laughs> what a teacher this little one is. And, and it makes me, the question makes me think of actually a conversation with my therapist in maybe the same conversation where I was like, nothing is working. And they were like, imagine if your baby, if your little, if that sweet little person in your care came into your room in the morning and said, Tia, I really need a hug. I really need a hug. And you were like, wait a minute, I got to go on my walk. And then the next morning she came in and said, Tia, I could really use a hug. And you were like, wait, I have to sit at my altar. 
And then the next morning she came in and said, Tia, I, I could really use a hug. And you're like, wait, I got a journal. Like at a certain mm. point, yeah. she's still going to want a hug. <laughs> you know, you can sort of do all the things, um, but people need the care that they need. And so, mm. you know, that it just that resonated so much with me, like just the importance of actually listening to what my own body and mind and spirit is asking for with the same sort of loving compassion that I would respond to her. If she was saying like, you know, if she was sad and said, I really need a hug, I would drop everything. I would drop mm. everything and hold space for her. And so doing that for her reminds me of like, oh, right. Like I don't need to power through my feels. Like if she's crying, we stop, we cuddle, you know, I hold her. We talk about it. I say like, you know, what would, you know, do you want to take some deep breaths or go outside? So that just like the patience, the patience mm. that parenting requires, I'm learning to extend that to myself, that, that kind of like not rushing through my own care. Yeah. And it's also, you know, I, I really struggled in the first three, few years of like all of my loving care going towards this mm. little person, you know, like she would eat and I would go to bed hungry, but not because, you know, just, just, just because I'd be like so tired, you know, I'm like, I'm trying to get her to bed by seven 30 so she can get up and go to preschool. And it's just, you know, it was so easy to kind of like leave myself out of my care. And so I kind of had to like pump the brakes and actually my community, my, my intimate relationships, those people were the ones who were like, I'm just going to lovingly observe that like, it doesn't need, you don't, she don't, caring for her doesn't need to run you ragged. Like, and actually you're better equipped to do your role when you are cared for and when your needs are met. And so that kind of like, I'm the, you know, I know I know that when I pour into myself, I just have more to give. And so it's kind of accountability too. Like parenting is kind of, mm. you know, I can only okay. let myself get, <laughs> I can only let my, I can only abandon myself so long. And then I'm like, oh, actually like I got parenting duty. Let me, let me have a snack. Let me, <laughs> let me go to bed because I know tomorrow's a baby day. Like she's sick, so she's not a baby anymore. But you know, that kind of like, you need energy. You need it because they will they will drain you dry, and so like the more the more you have, you know, the better it is for everybody. Oh my gosh, that is so true, and it's interesting. Something that I talk with my clients and students about, or I ask them this question for a lot of our opening session together, is like, "Who are you outside of your roles mm -hmm. to other people?" And when I tell you, all of us have to really uh dial in and use our brain muscle to be like okay yes i am a partner i am a mom but she said okay outside of and then we have to really think about who we are in this world as an individual and that is so so hard especially when you are a caretaker when you are a partner when you are a lover and a giver and you want to be everything to everyone but we can't be everything to everyone if we are nothing to ourselves and so just deeply exploring what does it look like to be for me yeah like what does that look like what does that feel like yes and for me it's really uncomfortable <laughs> because i much rather be for other people than to be for myself just just by nature but what i'm realizing is if i'm raggedy 
then no one is going to get the best of me and no one is going to get the most intentional version of me. So I'm curious what you're learning about being intentional with how you are loving on yourself. Like, what does that look like in this new season? Four days in, like in this new found groundedness, how are you exploring that? That's a beautiful question. And I think that like my relationship to intentionality is evolving where I feel like I, you know, when it came to my care before I was like, you know, let me do this so that I can, you know, like, let me, let me rest so that I can show up powerfully tomorrow. Let me eat so that I can have the energy to like complete this, you know, work. Let me, let me, like the intention is let me care for myself so that I can do. Right. Mm-hmm. So that I can perform. And mm. so now I'm sort of just like, let me do it because that's what feels best for me in this moment. I mean, if there's one thing that like grief and depression has taught me, it's to scale back, like the moment to moment. You know, it's like I did not have my capacity to like forward think and strategize just went totally offline. And so all I could manage was what am I doing in this now moment? And what am I doing maybe in the next five minutes or the next hour? Just like really scaling back, scaling back where my energy is going. And so that being said, it's like, oh, I'm going to do this because that's what my body needs in the moment. It's not so that I can do or perform or show up. It's just that's what feels best in this now moment. Um, so that, you know, I think just kind of like, yeah, being more present and giving the present moment just more importance. Like, I think there's just a hyper fixation on the future <laughs> and I'm tired, <laughs> I'm tired. So I'm like, I'm just going to give the present moment. I'm going to let that be the most important moment there is. Um, that's, that's been my intention lately. And because I, because I had to, like, I didn't have the choice. (laughs) I'd be like, that's what my brain and body, like I couldn't choose it, but I'm like, actually, that's a good way to do it (laughs) long-term. Like, thank you, depression for teaching me to go moment to moment. Thank you. What a gift Mm. actually. Oh, the gratitude, the gratitude got to have from our deepest moments. And it almost, what I heard, hear you saying is it's to dial your energy and effort to a level that allows you to be whole and not to necessarily perform or to accomplish or to do. It is to be here. It, it is to uh, adjust how we commit or use our energy towards something, towards something in the future versus you know, use beautiful language of, you know, how it made made you feel in this moment, best at this moment. And to me, that's very whole, which is, I think, I, I think could be a real goal is to feel completely whole and not as if we're expending our energy towards some anonymous future that we don't know what's going to happen, right? It's, um, it is about right here. <laughs> that's right. Goodness. Mm. So to, to wrap up our chat, I like to ask guests, especially during this season, like what word are they bringing with them into 2024? So my word is spacious. Jamila, I'm curious what your word of 2024 is. If you could choose one on the spot right now. (laughs) Yes, I think 
I think the word would be flow. That's what comes to mind is just Mm. like flow, like don't resist. I, yeah, not to resist anything, like to, to hold tension in my body, but just to kind of not necessarily going with the flow because that can be, you know, that's something that like I prided myself on for years, which just was people pleasing in a, in a, I'm chill, you know, blanket or, you know, package. Like I'm just going with the flow. It's like, no, actually I'm just abandoning myself so I can accommodate other people. Uh, So not going with the flow, but just being in flow, just being kind of energy flowing, keeping the energy flowing in my body, kind of greeting every experience with a sense of like, just acceptance. I feel like I, I don't really have the energy to resist. Like it takes me so much energy to resist my feelings or resist experiences I'm having. And so, yeah, I just want to be in flow with life and to kind of, yeah, be in a collaborative relationship where I'm open and available to yeah, whatever, whatever comes my way. That's beautiful. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for talking to us both and sharing your story. It's incredibly wise. And I'm really, really going to hold on to this notion of healing is proactive. And I don't think with my walking practice, I'm not sure I had those beautiful words to understand it. But as you said, those chills went up my body when I recognized, in fact, that that practice that I do is, in fact, uh, holds much of that. So thank you for sharing that. It's really powerful. And thank you for walking, both of you. Thank you for this space. Like, just thank you for you. Thank you, Jamila. It was so great to chat with you. We'll talk to you soon. Happy New Year. Peace. (laughs) Bye. This Morning Walk is a production of Blind Nil Audio. Hosted by me, Alex L. And me, Libby Delena. Produced and edited by Chris Jacobs. If you find value and meaning in the conversations that Libby and I have, please share the show with a friend and consider leaving a five-star review. Comments on Apple Podcasts really help us out. When you do that, it introduces this show to a bigger audience. Thank you so much for listening. You are wonderful. Have a great walk. The views, information, or opinions expressed in the series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Chip and Joanna Gaines, Blind Nail Audio, nor Magnolia.